You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Good morning, everybody. My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here, as, as Tim was saying. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we're currently going through a sermon series titled From the Beginning, in uh, which uh, we're heading through the epistles or letters of John. And this morning, we're going to be reading from 1 John, starting in chapter 3, verse 11. And we're actually going to be kind of jumping around to a couple different passages. And don't worry, we're not skipping anything. The stuff we skip, we're going to cover next week, so don't worry about that. Um, so, so this morning, we're going to be reading from 1 John 3, verses 11 to 18, and then going into chapter 4, starting at verse 7 to 12, and then jumping to 19 to 21. So it'll be up there for you in case you get confused. Um, which is okay. So, 1 John 3, verse 11. This is John speaking to the church. It says, This is the message that you heard from the beginning. Love each other. Don't behave like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he kill him? He killed him because his own works were evil, but the works of his brother were righteous. Don't be surprised brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have transferred from death to life because we love the brothers and sisters. The person who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if a person has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and that person doesn't care, how can the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. And then jumping to 4 verse 7, dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. And this is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us and his love is made perfect in us. We love, and go to verse 19, we love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates a brother or sister, he is a liar because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can be seen can't love God who can't be seen. This commandment we have from him, those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. If you haven't caught on yet, today we're going to be talking about love. But not just any kind of love, of course, right? John's emphasis at this point in his letter is concerned with the unity and spiritual well-being of, of this Christian community that he's speaking to, or that he's writing to. So he's making a strong argument to them in regards to how important it, it is to love one another within the community. And this, I think that we, we can all agree on, right? I'm sure that this is such an important and foundational topic for us as Christians. It's who we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. 
In fact, John argues in verse 11, right at the beginning, this is the message that you heard from the beginning. Love each other. And there's the title of our sermon series again, From the Beginning. In other words, the truth, the word, the word of life, the message of Jesus Christ has always been and will always be love. This message hasn't changed since the beginning of time. It hasn't changed since it was revealed to them in Christ. It hasn't changed since they heard the gospel message and believed it. It has and always will be love because God is love and he is and always will be. Jesus even tells us during his ministry that the two greatest commandments upon which all the other laws and the prophets hang. In other words, if you follow these two commandments, you'll, you'll, fulfill, you'll fulfill them all. You'll fulfill everything that's been said. First of all, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then secondly, what follows is love your neighbor as yourself. Again, this message, this truth has never changed. Everything hangs on it. Love. Love. Jesus proclaims in John thirteen thirty five. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Love for one another. Love for other believers. That's what we're talking about this morning. It's all about love. And on that note, now we're going to do a little exercise. You're going to take part in this message this morning. You might remember that I've had you do this before, but I'm going to ask you to do it again because making people feel awkward is, is fun for me. What I want you to do is just, it's easy though, but what I want you to do is just look around the room, look at the people behind you, beside you, in front of you, across the room to people you probably don't know very well and never sit by, right? Just look at everyone, make eye contact with them, staring contests are welcome. Okay, did everyone do it? Yeah? Okay. Now ask yourself, do you love them? Do you love these people? John's telling us in the passage this morning that our answer should be a resounding yes. But yet, let's be honest, in some ways it's kind of a weird question to be asked, right? It's easy to say that we love our, our spouse, maybe, or our kids if we have kids, or, or our close friends, or our parents, or our siblings, or two guys in a pizza place, right? Why? Why is it easy to say that, that we love those people? Because we feel a certain love for them, and they usually love us back, right? But to say that we love someone that, that we don't really know that well, to say that we love someone that maybe we only see on Sunday mornings, or at potlucks, it's kind of weird, right? We wouldn't walk up to everyone and say, I love you. But fortunately, John's not talking about a love that's based on, on our feelings or even on who the person we're loving is. He's talking about loving others because of who God is and therefore who we are. We love one another, John writes, because God's love abides in us. Unfortunately, I'd argue that we have a tendency to restrict our love for others until we do feel it, until there's that emotional feeling of love, and then, we, and then we'll act on that love. Right? So if, we, if I don't feel, feel love towards you, we surmise, then I don't have to act like I love you. On this, 
Greg Morse writes that the definition, and his name is Greg, so the definition, he knows what he's talking about, the definition that love is almost exclusively a warm feeling found deep within us makes the notion that one should act loving despite not feeling it to be oppressive and a contaminant of love. We think that's going against who we are if we, if we love without feeling. That's what we tell ourselves. That's what he's saying. So the main problem with a wait until you feel it love is that it comes more from Hollywood than the Bible. It fundamentally undermines the two greatest commandments Jesus gave. The command to love God with everything and others as ourselves often assaults this kind of love, oppresses our natural cravings, and inconveniences our self-actualization. In other words, what he's saying is if we wait until we feel it, we won't do it. If we wait until they feel it, we probably won't act like we love one another because it inconveniences our selfish feelings. So now we're going to do another exercise in a moment here. What I want everyone to do now, whether you feel like it or not, is get up from your seats, find 10 people you don't know very well, give them a hug, and tell them you love them. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. I probably just gave all the introverts in the room a mini heart attack, right? My apologies. I'm I'm totally joking. (laughs) But for real, though, (laughs) for real, though, if we're called to love one another and if we're we're going to do it and if we're going to grow in it as a church, we first need to have a grasp on why it's so important. And of course, how we can go about expressing that love to one another in, in a real and tangible way. So John seems to recognize this. And, and so he lays out for us pretty clearly here in verse 9 to 11 what love is. So verses 9 to 11 he says, This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. This is love. It is not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. So first of all, do do we get that? God's love for us wasn't based on how we acted toward him or whether we deserved it or not. We, We were sinners who didn't love God at all. God's love for us was based on the fact that God is love. That's who he is. And he showed us his love when he sent Jesus to willingly lay down his life for us at the cross as our substitute, taking our sin upon himself to redeem us from our sin and make a way for us to have fellowship with God, to know God, to be alive in him. His his love won us life. He gave his life to give us life. That is love. But again, it wasn't based on feelings or anything we did to get it or based on on repayment or reciprocation. No, he loved us because that's who he is. And if God has loved us like that, then we should love like that too. 
In other words, we should love one another, not based on if we have feelings of love for one another or based on if we're, if we're friends or if we get along with one another or if, or if we're being loved by someone first, right? We love based on the fact that God abides in us. Our love should stem from who we are in Christ. Chapter, chapter 4, 7 to 8. And 19 to 21 says, Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. So we love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates a brother or sister, he is a liar because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can be seen can't love God who can't be seen. This commandment we have from him those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. So, Pastor Greg, what you're saying is we love others only when we have feelings of love for them? No. But we love others only when we expect that love to be reciprocated? No. Okay, but we love others only when they're being nice to me? No. We love others because we want to get something from them? No. We love others only when we know we won't get emotionally hurt for being vulnerable or only when we know they're not using or abusing our compassion? No. All right, but surely we only love other believers when they agree with, with, uh, every, with all the doctrines I agree with, right? No. No, no, no. It's not complicated. We love one another as Christians because God loved us first. We love other believers no matter what because God loves us and he loves them too. And that's the crux. Again, it's not about our personal feelings about love. It's not about what we can get out of it. It's about God's love abiding in us, which means it's about who God loves. It's about who God loves and how he loves. Think of it like this. God loves me. I know that God loves me and God also loves you. But if I didn't love you, then would I really love God if I'm at odds with God? Or more importantly, would God really be abiding in me then? The truth is, if that God loves you and he abides in you and he loves me and he abides in me, it should then be impossible for me not to love you and vice versa. And on that note, one of the themes that we see John carrying throughout these passages about love is that we're brothers Brothers and sisters in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 21, this commandment we have from him, those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. We're part of the same family. We're sons and daughters of God. We're children of the Father, as we we talked about last week. If we're siblings, it's true, we might have disagreements about how loud the music is or, or whatever, right? We might have disagreements. But regardless, when it matters, we love one another. Because we're family, we're filled and sealed with the same spirit of God. In the same, in the same vein, then, to love each other is how we also acknowledge and remind one another, as siblings, of the reality of the Father's love for us. We remind one another as siblings of the Father's love for us. John says no one has seen God, right? but we reveal his love. We reveal him through our love. Even more than that, to love one another is to perfect and build up the family into maturity, right? To establish and cultivate that life that he's given us as a church through his love. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, 
If we love each other, God remains in us and his love is made perfect in us. Again, when we love one another, first of all, we remind each other as brothers and sisters of our Father's love for us. It remains in us. It's revealed in us. And secondly, we're simultaneously breathing new life and maturity into the community. We become perfect in love. We're perfected in love. In other words, we can't grow and flourish as a church, uh, as a community of believers, if we're not loving one another. That's how it happens. And you might have noticed that John contrasts this, this love we should have for our brothers and sisters, which brings life, immediately with the opposite of what this love is, hating our brother, which brings death. He says, don't be like Cain. Don't be like Cain. And if you don't know, Cain was the brother of Abel, and together they were the first two sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain ended up killing his brother, because he was jealous that God received Abel's righteous offering and rejected his as evil. So instead of you know, changing his attitude and his offering towards God, he, he killed his brother instead. Cain's jealousy led to hate, and his hate led to murder. It led to death, right? Not only his brother's death, but his own as well. His sin also destroyed the fellowship that he had with God. And even though we could say, I, I hope anyways, that we're not killing each other like, like Cain is, John's reminding us of what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Verses 13 to 15, he says, Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have transferred from death to life because we love the brothers and sisters. But the person who does not love remains in death. And everyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is what Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount as well. To hate your brother or sister in God's eyes, whether it's, whether it's through bitterness, whether it's through, through envy or anger or, or whatever it stems from, is equal to murder. Because hate is sin, and sin always bears the fruit of death. Either physically, emotionally, and, and most important, spiritually. But even, even if we're not hating, we need to recognize this, even if we're not actually like feeling hate towards one another, it seems to me as well that John's also implying here that just simply to not love also leads to death. So whether we're not loving out of apathy or indifference or laziness or selfishness or fear, to not love is also equal to those who hate. Because it has the same effect. To not love those within the body of Christ is to choose to change teams and to stand with the world. It's to stand on the same team as Cain against the righteous. Against righteousness. Therefore, to not love the church is to hold back life from the church. Those are pretty strong words that that he's saying here. But at its foundation, the bigger problem is that when we don't love one another, especially when we choose instead to hate, what's happening, John's reminding us here, is that like Cain, we're breaking our fellowship with God. And above all else, this is God's chief concern. Jesus died on the cross to bring us into fellowship with him, to give us life with him. That's important to God. 
He wants us to remain in him and to know him. To remain in his love. So the, and the way we remain, though, John says, is, is through loving one another. And in the same vein, the way we experience God's love and his life in us is to love one another and to be loved by one another. But at this point, I, f- I feel like I need to say this, and I think it's sad that I need to say this, that this is our culture. We need, we need to recognize that sending a, a heart or a praying hands emoji to someone doesn't stand up or even come close to this kind of love we're called to have. Because this is the love that God has shown us through Jesus. To lay down our lives in order to lift up the lives of others. It's to give away the love and life of Christ that we've been given in abundance so that others can experience that life-giving love through us. That's what it means to love. Dear friends, John says, if we've been loved like this, if we've been brought from death to life by the love of Christ, and we have, then surely this is how we're to love one another. In Christ we have life. We have life abundantly. We have eternal life. We are given a relationship with him. When we plant seeds of love, we will bear fruits of life. So to hate, on the other hand, is to breed death, right? To love, though, is to bring life because the love of God always brings life. In love, he created life. In love, Jesus gave his life to give us life. In love, he takes away the old life of hate and embitterment, and by his grace, he gives us a life of love and compassion. And in turn, as we love, the life of God within us is revealed to others. That's why it's so important. When we love, we proclaim God. And John spends a lot of his letter on this subject, as, as we've read, and we'll read next week as well, because it's foundational to the life and growth and maturity of that church and every Christian community. But as I joked about before, this kind of love is more than just hugging one another and verbally expressing our love for one another. In fact, In the same way that faith with works is dead, our love is just lip service without action and truth. Chapter 318 says, Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. With action and truth. Three or four years ago, I was flipping channels on the TV, and I came up, I came up on a documentary-type show about the Montreal Canadiens. They're a hockey team, for those of you who don't know, and don't care about hockey. Um, for some reason, I was watching it. I don't really care about the Montreal Canadiens, but um, I think at, at that time that they were filming this, it was supposed to be a Stanley Cup type of year for them, Stanley Cup type run year for them. On paper, at least, they had really good players and, you know, they were supposed to challenge for the cup that year. So so TSN or whatever channel it was decided uh, to have a crew, a TV crew follow them throughout the year to give the viewers a behind-the-scenes look at the team throughout the season in order to follow their, their journey. Unfortunately for them, it wasn't actually their year. They were losing a lot of games. They, they were struggling as a team, and the coach was frustrated. That much was obvious because at some point in the middle of their season, 
the camera. They showed the players joking around and laughing and, and acting like best buds in the team meeting room right before they were, they were supposed to gather together and watch some video of the game and, and listen to the coach. So they're all hanging out, having a good time. And at that moment, the coach, he just snapped at the team. Just like that, he just snapped at the team and he said, and first of all, I recall there were a lot of expletives, so this isn't going to be word for word, okay? This is a coach of a hockey team, not a pastor. But he said something like this. He said, he said, I see you guys, you know, I see you guys goofing around, getting along and, and acting like your best friends. I see you guys acting like you care about each other as a team and that you respect the jersey. In fact, I, I've heard you say those things. But, he said to them, I don't think you really do care about each other since I don't see it where it counts. Because when you step out onto the ice and you're not back-checking and, and you're not hustling and you're not playing the system that we've practiced and you're playing lazy and you're taking stupid penalties, what does that really show me? It shows me that you actually don't care about your teammates at all. So yeah, you can go on chumming it up with each other and acting like your best friends in the locker room, but if you're not playing your heart out on the ice, you're just showing me and everyone else that you actually don't care about each other one bit. And of course, you know, there was silence from the team, right? This was a wake-up call for them. Because it's true. It's true. If they really cared about their team, if they really cared about their teammates, if they really cared about the fans, then it would show where it mattered, on the ice. They would prove it by their actions, by, by giving it their all. And I think in the same way John's saying the same thing to this community of believers he's writing, writing to here. To love one another isn't just lip service, it's action, it's truth. In other words, we here at the gate, we could give hugs to one another and, and confess our brotherly love to one another. We could do that, that'd be fine, that'd be great. It's nice to get a hug. We could tweet about the church, we could write on Facebook about how much we love this church, which is nice. That's fine. We, we, could, we could act all chummy during our fellowship time. I really love our fellowship time. It's nice to hang out and, and, and talk about stuff. But if we're not acting on that so-called love in the places and spaces that really matter, is that actually love? If we're not acting on love in the places where it might actually be difficult and hard, is that actually love? Love isn't lip service. Love is action. Or as Bob Goff would say, as Bob Goff would say, love does. I read the title of his book for that quote. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of, which, speaking of which, did you guys did you guys see that Brad got to meet Bob Goff at YC? He posted that. Yeah? That's pretty awesome. Um, but speaking of YC, isn't that, isn't that a great example of what love is? Brad, along with Joel and Randy, they volunteered their time and their energy and their patience and their, their passion to bring our youth to YC last weekend. Isn't that amazing? Let's thank them for that. To, to invest in them like that. And let's also thank Charlene. I don't know if she's up here, but she uh, was holding down the fort while... Brad was gone with all the kids, so let's thank her for that too. Yeah. Um, you see, that's more than lip service happening there. 
we we had a youth leaders meeting last night and um and and they were talking the leaders were talking about you know their plans for the youth group and all that kind of stuff and, and their excitement and, and and their drive and i believed every word they said because i've seen it in action i've seen them invest i've seen them love these youth i've seen that they care about these youth and their relationships with jesus that's doing something about their love that's expressing it in selfless and sacrificial action. And that's the kind of love we're to have for one another as Christians. A love that's rooted in truth and lived out in faith. The same kind of love that was revealed to us by Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection. A love of deep sacrifice. A love of selflessness and humility. A love of vulnerability. He gave everything. He gave everything of himself. A love that was given even while we were sinners. A love that takes on the burdens of others. A love of extreme generosity. A love of grace and mercy. An unconditional love that doesn't expect repayment. Ultimately, a love that gives its own life in order to give the life of God to the lifeless. Again, a love that brings death to life. This is the kind of love that John's talking about. A love that exclaims and pours out the life of Christ to others through not just words, but deeds and truth. John, in fact, even gives us an example of how we should be loving one another like that. Verses 16 to 17, he says, this is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if a person has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and that person doesn't care, how can the love of God remain in him? It's true. It's it's not likely that we'll have to die for each other, but you never know. But it is likely that we might need to sacrifice our time to watch someone's kids so they can rush to the hospital or so they can have a date night. Or it's possible that we might have to dip into our holiday fund to help someone, our fund to help someone pay their bills. Or to stay up all night with someone who needs a friend because they're going through a rough time. Or to sacrifice your Sunday morning church experience to watch some babies down in Baby Gate. Or to give up a couple of your weeknights to serve in or with the church, even if it's not an event that might serve you personally. Or to humble yourself and forgive someone in the church if they've hurt you. To love like Christ is to sacrifice is to carry one another's burdens, is to open yourself up to one another in humility, with compassion and grace and vulnerability. And if we're not sacrificing, how can we truly say we're loving one another as we should? But another and and quite important aspect of loving one another is the model in which we see from John's letters here. And that's to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. Our love should be grounded in the truth, but in the same way, our truth should be spoken in love. And it's obvious as we read his letters that he genuinely loves these people, right? He wants them to be restored in their faith and in their relationship with God. He wants them to know the joy of their salvation and the joy of community. But that's why he's honest to them about the truth. About the truth of their sin. And about, about the, how they need to come back to Jesus. He's honest with them. Alternatively, 
If, if he would have just let them live in their sin or, or condoned or affirmed their, their choices, saying it was all good, doesn't matter, that wouldn't be love. That would be like me saying to my kids, oh, I love you no matter what, so I don't really care. You can play video games and eat candy all day, every day. That doesn't matter. That wouldn't be love. That would be me slowly killing my children. On the surface, it might look like it because I'm being real nice to them, but it's not. Because their sin would lead to death, right? If John didn't tell them that, their sin would lead to death. And it breaks their fellowship with God. So because he loves them, he's honest and he's truthful with them so that they can come back into fellowship with God. He's speaking the truth from a place of genuine love. But in the same vein, we have to realize that he also has a right to do so. He has a right to speak that truth in love because he's proven his love through his actions and through his witness to the community. Actions and truth. And the purpose through it all is he's leading them back towards the source of true life. And in the same way, our love for one another then, whether in correction or whether in encouragement, whether in word or deed, our love should always point to Jesus, to the truth and life, to the source of love that's been revealed to us from the beginning. And that brings us back to why we do it, not because we're feeling it, not because we get something out of it. In fact, most of the time we won't be feeling it. And a lot of the time we'll actually have to sacrifice. But we do it because God's called us to. We do it for his glory. We do it because he abides in us and he'll work through it. We do it so that the love of Jesus is made known and perfected in this church. So in closing, just ask yourselves. Ask yourselves, what, in what way has God called you or prepared you or given you opportunity to love people in this church? Ask yourselves that. And, and this is a question we should be constantly pondering and praying about. And of course, acting on it as well in order to build up the church in the love of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, that it's been true from the beginning and it's true today and it'll be true tomorrow, Lord, that you love us with such sacrificial and unconditional love, that you proved that love to us, that you showed us that love through Jesus Christ as he willingly took our place at the cross to take our, the punishment of our sin upon himself, to cover us in righteousness and by his grace restore us into a relationship with you, Lord. I pray that we would continue and remain in that relationship, Lord, as we love one another, as we build one another up as the body of Christ, and as we do, Lord, that we would experience you in, in a greater way, that we would know you in a greater way, and that you would perfect us in your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.